Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Shirley You Can't Be Serious podcast. I am here with my co-host of all co-hosts, Mr. Jason Colvin. Jason, how you doing, man? Or, as they say in Africa, Jumbo Jumbo. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, D. You're the one I'm looking for. Tell me how to win your heart, man, because I haven't got a clue. Well, my friends, the time has come uh, to raise the roof and have some fun. Guys, we are here to talk about Lionel Richie's second solo album, Can't Slow Down. And guys, just, just to give you an idea, eight songs on the album, five of them were released as singles, all Five of them hit the top ten. Two of them hit number one. It is one of the best-selling albums of the 80s and was album of the year. This is a giant. It's a gigantic album. And we, yeah. you and I talked about it beforehand. We both had this album in our house, right? Yeah, I can remember little kids sitting on the floor. You've got the record player on the shelf above your head because you're so small and flipping through those albums and seeing Lionel Richie's smiling face on that kind of wicker chair that he's looking at, at you off of a very light blue veranda, you know? Uh, it was a very, very well-received album for parents and kids alike. Yeah, I, I loved the songs on this. I can remember listening to this LP growing Growing up, it is a part of my blood, if you will. This is a, like, panty dropper for our parents, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, gross. Let's not think about that. Okay, so you mentioned that this is one of the biggest selling albums of the 80s, okay? Yes, yeah. I'm going to blow your socks off of this. You ready for this? Yeah. This is the 18th best selling album of the 80s. Okay. It sold more than Pyromania, Synchronicity, 1984, License to Ill. Wow. This is a huge album. Yeah. It is also the third best-selling album of 1984. And we've talked before, 1984 may be one of the best years of music ever. Yes, the, it is It is literally a year that will never be recreated. The artistry, the albums, the songs, the music that came out in 1984 was a pinnacle that shall not be reached again. I totally agree. Listen to this top ten real quick. I'm going to wow you right off the bat, okay? okay. So... Number 10, Seven and the Ragged Tiger by Duran Duran. We've right. talked about that album. We haven't covered it track by track, but Duran Duran, huge. Number 9 in 1984 was the Footloose soundtrack. We've covered that album track by track. Yeah. Go back and check it out. Number 8, Synchronicity. Also covered it. Covered that one track by track. Number 7, Eliminator by ZZ Top. We have that one coming up. That one will be on the schedule for later this year. Number 6, 1984 by Van Halen. Well, we definitely have covered that in one of our very first episodes, yes. I would like to break that one down, go a little deeper on that go one. Go track by track on that one, we should. Number 5, you're going to laugh, Color by Numbers by Culture Club. I'm not going to laugh. That was another LP that was in the collection when I was a little kid. You've been after me to do this one track by track. I'm telling you, it is a monumental album. I remember those faces and all their little circles. You're right. We need to do that one. Yes. Number four, An Innocent Man by Billy Joel. We are comparing that album to this album. This is our matchup. I mean, two gigantic hits of 1984. Can't wait to talk about that. That's right. Number three, Can't Slow Down. Of course, yes. Number two, Sports by Huey Lewis. Which we've covered, and man, one of my favorite albums Track ever. by track, we yep. did that one. And number one, of course, The Thriller. Thriller. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Mr. Lionel Richie. Say you, say me. Say it for always. Okay, so Lionel Richie was born in Alabama. Yes. Grew up in Tuskegee. Actually restored the house that he grew up in. Came back and restored it. It was on the Tuskegee University campus. Get this. It was given to his family by Booker T. Washington. Whoa. Right? Wow. Yeah. So Booker T. Washington, I'm sure probably in a lot of states, they've got a big school that's the Booker T. Washington School. In our area, it is the same case. But the actual Booker T. Washington gave Lionel Richie's family their home that he grew up in. Incredible. He ended up going to Tuskegee University and was an economics major, minored in accounting. He actually went on a tennis scholarship. That When I found that, I was like, you have got to be kidding. Because he looks like, like one of the least athletic people I've ever scene okay yeah i mean he, the way he dances he's a little he's a small guy but i mean those tennis players are not usually big guys right then despite his major in school he gives his dad a call one day and says dad i've got to join this music group 
we are going to be the Black Beatles. <laughs> hey, he grew up in a home where his grandmother was a classically trained pianist. Yep. And music was just kind of a big part. They sang in church. I mean, it's a traditional religious church musical family. And now he's going to be the Black Beatles. Keep in mind how many years he's been doing this, right? Grew up with that family life. How many, you know, 50 years in the music business and... He cannot read or write music. It's crazy. Yeah, come on. That's yeah. crazy. Same thing for Eddie Van Halen, right? Right. <gasps> Same thing for Billy Joel. Yeah. <laughs> so join the Commodores and, I mean, there's a whole history there, but their first big hit, surprisingly, since obviously we've got the soulful voice of Lionel Richie plus the other guys in the Commodores, it was an instrumental. It was an instrumental. That song is called Machine Gun. <laughs> came out in 1974. I know this song from growing up, but it was also big in the Boogie Nights soundtrack, which I wore out in the 90s for sure. You've got Lionel Richie's voice at your disposal, and your first hit is an instrumental. It's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. So within the Commodores, yeah. he's one of three singers yeah. and one of like five songwriters. And we can get into the Commodores maybe at a later date, but basically they would take turns. You know, you would get your song, I would get my song, he would get his song, and you trade off. Well, Sounds like the Beatles. Right. And Lionel Richie was the love song guy. That's why I'm easy. I'm easy like Sunday morning. In a funk band, he's the guy producing love songs. Right. Well, after a while, he starts getting these love song hits. Uh-huh. Songs like Easy, Like Sunday Morning, Three Times a Lady. You compare that to like Brick House, which he also co-wrote. But the guys in the Commodores started to get fed up with Lionel Richie love songs. Ah, okay? a little jealousy. Well, and he starts making a whole lot more money because the writing credits for these starts to pay off a lot more. Sure. And he's writing songs for other people at this time, too. I mean, he and Diana Ross are doing stuff together. Well, Kenny Rogers was the <gasps> first one who came to him and said, hey, I want you to write a song for me. Mm -hmm. And he sits down at the piano and he says, well, here's what I've got. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, lady. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Mm -hmm. And Kenny Rogers is like, I really like it. Fill in the da-da-das and let's do it, right? <laughs> yeah. That song goes number one in 1980. Lady, for so many years I thought I'd never find you. Fantastic. 1981 rolls around and Motown decides to pair up Lionel Richie and Diana Ross. Huh? And they come up with the song Endless Love. And you're Huge. Massive hit. Huge. He's outgrowing the band. I mean, the Commodores are great, but then there's Next Level. Yep. So the people at Motown go to him and they're like, hey man, you have said before that you are content to retire as a Commodore, but we want you to try a solo album. Yeah. So that album is called Lionel Richie, uh -huh. as you do with your first album a of whole course. lot of times, right? Yes. Get your name out there. That first solo album sold 4 million copies, and you mentioned it. My Love, that song hits number five. You Are, that hits number four, and truly goes to number one. Always thinking of you. You are the sun, you are the rain. That makes my life this foolish you He talks about how he was a little bit scared to go solo because groups had success. Right. Solo artists, it's iffy. You know, it's a real gamble. Yeah. Well, right out of the gate, he's got three top five hits. So he gets together with a guy that he's worked with before. This is the producer of the album, a guy named James Anthony Carmichael. He produced Temptations. He produced Jackson 5. And of course, he produced The Commodores. So Lionel Richie is familiar with him. One of his most successful records 
Yeah. Is an arrangement and a production of the 1967 album Silver Throat, Bill Cosby Sings. <laughs> what? Which included Cosby's number four U.S. pop hit, Little Old Man. He said, because I cannot believe that it's happening. I said, reach out. What are you talking about? <laughs> I knew that you would love that what? little random out of the blue nugget. So that's that is producer James Anthony Carmichael. You know, in addition to producing the Jackson Five, he also produced Bill Cosby's singing album. That is hilarious. <laughs> Hey, by the way, a quick story for you. When Lionel Richie and the Commodores were opening, they got a gig opening for the Jackson 5. Right. So think about Commodores, Jackson 5, and then we move into the 80s. We've got Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson. Right. right? So this is when he decided to really take music seriously. Uh-huh. So up to that point, it has just been fun, right? Okay. So he's hanging out with the Jackson 5, and they're having a great time. Well, he happens to catch a check given to the Jackson 5. $180,000 check, just a personal check, like, here you go, boom. He says, as soon as he saw that check, he's like, hmm, maybe I ought to take this music thing a little more serious than I am. Wow. So it's interesting to me that Michael and Lionel have been in if the you, same circle for a while. Yeah, if you listen to if you listen to this album, if you listen to Can't Slow Down, the similarities to some of the tracks on Thriller is unmistakable. Absolutely. Right? Both of them are coming out in 83, and of course, they know each other and have worked together all the time. They work with Quincy Jones together all of the time, so it makes sense that you have this overlap. Not to mention that you've got the guys from Toto playing instruments. Steve Lukather and Jeff Pecoro are both playing on some of these songs on this album, just like they did with Thriller. So it makes sense that there would be a similar sound to these, but he's still nailing it. It's still his own. It's still unmistakable. Lionel Richie. Okay, guys, so we're going to go over these songs track by track, but just to let you know, there are some cr- pretty crazy stories that go along with these songs. One of them will involve the moment that Lionel Richie's first wife met his second wife. Yes. The only problem was he was still married to his first wife at the time. Yeah. That is one that will come up in just a second, but stay tuned for that one, boys. Yes. Okay. I can't wait to hear that story. <laughs> All right, let's jump in, track by track, first song of the album, Can't Slow Down. So both Thriller and Can't Slow Down were big in 83. Thriller came out in November of 82. Can't Slow Down comes down in October of 1983, but they definitely have, you can hear those similar sounds. Oh, 100%. Okay, so right out of the gate, I'm getting a lot of flavors of Thriller, the song Thriller. Like you've got that dun dun dun, and you've, it's got the same bass sound to it. It's got the same kind of ambient celestial sound that goes on at the beginning of the song. It's an entirely different song, but it's got those those notes of flavor, if you will. Okay. Well, it's interesting that you say that because obviously this is the song where he gets the album title from, much like Thriller. Right. For me, though, this is a miss, right? Right out of the gate, this is an incorrect first track. Right. You you are wanting this song to be big and great. It's I don't dislike this song. It's just not a tentpole as far as the album right. goes, right? I mean, we talked about the fact that this, I mean, the batting average on this particular album is phenomenal. And maybe this is a swing and a, and a miss for being the first song. It's not a bad song. It belongs in the album. It's not a throwaway. It's not a skipper. Right, right. But it's, it just doesn't quite compare to the rest of the songs on the album for me. Sure. This is maybe a... Base hit between the shortstop and the third baseman, you know. It's an hors d'oeuvre, you know. <laughs> it's an hors d'oeuvre before you eat the uh, before you eat the main course. Okay, so let, let me tell you this. I'm going to try not to say I this. I know on... it's hors d'oeuvre, by the way. I'm just being funny. Hors d'oeuvre. That's funny. <laughs> I, I got you. I'm, I'm going to try not to say this on every track on this album. Uh-huh. This song belongs on Miami Vice. Well, ironically, you're going to be right on one of them. I am going to be right on one of them. We'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah. All right, so Crockett goes to a club. Uh-huh. 
and he's working his way past the dance floor to go talk to the Colombian drug dealer. This is the song playing in the background in that scene. I don't think you should stop your story, man. I think let's tell the whole episode. How? What else happened? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I could talk Miami Vice all day long. All right, so not the greatest, but not a bad song for the album. Okay. Good starter, but not our main course meal. Right, absolutely. Let me tell you a story about maybe the greatest 24 hours in the 1980s. Okay. So January 28th, 1985. This is after the success of this album, Can't Slow Down. Lionel Richie is hosting the American Music Awards. During the course of this, so he has to be there early. He shows up for rehearsal. As the host, he's got to be there all day long. When they hit the awards ceremony that night, he wins six statues during the course of the evening that he's hosting. Wow. Right? How so, awkward. I know, right? Hey, it's me again. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, he comes out, he's real famous quote, he's like, comes up and he's like, outrageous! <laughs> a little over the top. Yeah, that's crazy. He wins favorite pop rock artist, wins favorite pop rock video, for a video we'll be talking about here in a little bit. Okay. Wins favorite pop rock video artist okay. about that same video. He wins favorite R&B artist, he wins favorite R&B Male video artist and favorite R&B video. Okay? Six wins for the show he's hosting. Once the show is over, he then meets most of the musical guests that are attending to record the song We Are The World that he co-wrote with Michael Jackson. Yeah. Is that a great 24 hours or what? It's a heck of a 24 hours. Seems like maybe you do one more album and retire for 10 years. (laughs) Uh-huh. Right? Okay. So... There we go. Can't slow down. Are we ready to move on to song number two? Let's move on to song number two. I'm so excited because if this was the hors d'oeuvre, this is our big hunk of awesome smoking jerk steak. Okay, if you don't hear these beginning drum beats and musical instruments and him saying da-dee and da-da, and you don't feel happy and relaxed, you got some things in your life you need to deal with, bro. This is a song that just, I mean, it's like the its like the beginning of Africa by Toto. It is so like, puts you in that zen state of there's not a care in the world that I have that is as important as... I'm making it right now. This is happiness in down in the Caribbean, baby. This is a tentpole song of the 80s for me. This is the best song on the album, in my opinion. You've got one of the greatest albums of the 80s. This is number one, will always be my favorite song of the album and Lionel Richie song. Top of the top of the list. I'm with you 100%. Number one song on the album, absolutely. Yeah. This song makes you feel like you're on vacation. Yeah. And it's funny because he wrote this song about going on vacation. Right. He said to his producers, they were kind of nervous about him releasing a Caribbean type of song. And he's like, guys, listen, I've been around the world. He goes, it doesn't matter who you are. When you go to the Caribbean, you could be an opera singer. You could be a rap artist. You could be a rock guy. Everybody dances to the Calypso there. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to encapsulate a vacation in a four minute song. Now you told me a story about how he had this idea (laughs) that, hey, this is going to have this Caribbean flavor to it. And he had kind of the words and the verses, but he didn't have the hook. He didn't have the hook. Tell me. So he had everything like raise the roof, have some fun. We're going to party, Karamo, fiesta forever. Right. Come on and sing along. Yeah. What do you say next? Stun silence. (laughs) He's got nothing. Right, right. He has no chorus. He has no hook. He went to a, a friend's house, uh, one of his doctor friends who's Jamaican. And after dinner, he's on his, you know, like saying their goodbyes. He's walking out to the car and he's like, I got to go to the studio, man. I got to go finish that song that I can't finish. I got to find the chorus. So I'm going to be up all night long, man. All night long, man. All night long. That is how he came up with the hook for the song. It's fantastic. How about that? I love it. I can't believe he had the audacity to use a Jamaican accent to his Jamaican doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Especially such a bad one. (laughs) Exactly, right? How's my Jamaican accent? That's what I was talking about. (laughs) 
This song is released August of 1983. This is the lead single. It hits number one in November of 83. It also hit number one on the pop charts, the R&B charts, and the adult contemporary charts. This is blowing them all out of the water. So this one has a video, of course, right? Yes, yes. And it is produced by one of the monkeys. I know. What? Uh, (laughs) So Mike Nesmith, the guy, one of the... One of the monkeys. I don't know how else to say it. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. Hey, hey, people say we monkey around. Well, he quit <laughs> monkeying around, and he decided to produce some videos, and he produced the video for All Night Long. The song was also used, you've mentioned this several times, Yeah. 1984, in the Olympics, at the closing ceremonies. Guys, we've done it. We've finished. It is time to go party all night long. I love it. I love it. You know who is dancing in that ceremony? Closing the Olympics with Lionel Richie playing all night long. Number one, you have Diane Alexander, okay, who's the woman who gets beat up by Lionel Richie's first wife here in a second. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. who later becomes his second wife. All right. And also Cuba Gooding Jr. was a dancer what? during that ceremony. Oh my gosh. How about that? That is crazy. So this is interesting, right? There's all those sort of African words in the middle of it, right? Uh-huh, jumbo jumbo. <laughs> right. Tom right? All that stuff. You said right? it perfectly. I was, it was like I was right there and Lionel Richie was saying hey, it. it was I was awesome. born and raised in Africa. <laughs> he called the UN to try to get somebody to help him with this African language. Yeah. And the UN, I, I don't know who you call, like dial up the UN. Hey, yeah. can I speak with the African person in charge? <laughs> yeah. And they said, well, there's a billion different African languages. What, exactly. are, you, what are you talking right. about? Yeah. And one word in this language may mean something totally different in this. So it's all made up crap. Yeah. He totally made up some gibberish. Mama say, mama sa, mama musa. <laughs> Jimbo jambo. Tomali, tomala, didi da. Whatever. It is nothing. It means nothing at all. There's actually a few nuggets in here. So karamo okay. means party in Swahili. Okay. And Jambo means hello in Swahili. Oh, see, I was close. I was close. Hey, you got hello, you got party. What what else do you need? That's what the song is all about. Hello, (laughs) party. By the way, this song appears in the pilot episode of Miami Vice. Yeah. And Lionel Richie was supposed to be in that episode. Yep. He was caught busy doing other things. He was off on tour or whatever. And so they got in somebody else to sing the song. I watched part of this episode the guy they got was horrible oh no it was embarrassing oh we should listen to that well my friends the time has come race the roof and have some fun oh that's a stinker good motivation to never let somebody else perform your song right okay i've got a story that i could not believe until I heard it from the words of the army commander in charge. All right? Okay, yeah. So during the invasion of Iraq in 2002. Okay. Do you know this story? No, I'm on the edge of my seat. Okay. So when the U.S. rolls into town, the Iraqis want to let the U.S. know that, hey, we're friendly, you're welcome here, help us out, come on in. I kid you not, they start blaring all night long Yeah. as a welcoming song to the U.S. Yeah. Okay? And in return... The U.S. from their Humvees and stuff start blaring Dancing on a Ceiling. That's great. That's fantastic. Lionel Richie is all about helping U.S. and Iraqis make friends. Well, here's here's the thing I did not know, that Iraqis in the Middle East there, he is huge <laughs> in the Middle East. Like, people, if you meet people from the Middle East and they're like, oh, hey, do you know Lionel Richie? They'll, they'll go nuts. They'll be like, he is the best singer of all time. It, it is He is huge in that part of the country. I can't tell you why, but that was a tidbit that I ran across. How about that? That's crazy. You know who sings back up on this song and most of the songs on this album? Um, is it Richard Marks? It is Richard Marks. So I'm going to say this. I'll throw this out there. Calvin Harris Sr. was an engineer on this album. He also sang backing vocals. Okay. He is the father of Calvin Harris Jr., okay? Okay. Calvin Harris Jr. was ranked the number five smooth jazz artist by Billboard magazine. He has toured with Prince, Lenny Kravitz, Boys to Men, Earth, Wind and Fire, Pharrell Williams. I mean, he, it, Whitney Houston, he is huge. His dad was the engineer on this album and a also backup singer for a couple songs. Okay, that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, I've got it. We've got to talk about the video real quick. Okay. This is a time capsule plucked right out of 1980. 
four. Yep. And it's breakdancing and partying 80s style. It is so fun. I love it. 1984 is when I was full in parachute pants, bandanas, Michael Jackson jacket and glove, breakdancing fiend. And I love watching the little little kid doing his breakdancing moves in this video. Okay. I'm so glad I looked him up. Okay. The breakdancer in this... I mean, one of. I'm not sure he was a little kid. But one of the breakdancers in this video is Michael Chambers, who... You, I hope, know better as Turbo from Breaking and Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> uh, yes. How about that, right? Oh. oh my gosh, he moves on. He moves on from this video into doing the ultimate breakdancing movie of all time. Oh my gosh! And its sequel, <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> love it, man. I love the rabbit holes that you go down. Sometimes turn out. With straight gold. Good I job. I love it. I love it. Just a fun video yeah. and, a, and a super fun song of the 1980s. Right. Tent pole song on the album. Okay, are we ready for song number three on the album? Let's do it. Song number three is a song called Penny Lover. You talk about panty droppers. Mm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so not ironically, but appropriately, Lionel Richie wrote this song with his wife he at did. the time. His wife's name was Brenda Harvey Richie. That's right. High school sweethearts? Am I high school that right? sweethearts, that's right. Yeah, tell me more. Well, here's the deal. She was a high school sweetheart of his, and like people in the business thought that couple will last forever. Right. Right. It was legit love. She loved him before he became a star. We'll get to the rest of the story here in a second, but that love story didn't last forever. Right. So they had been married for quite a while. Like 18 years. When this, about the time this album came oh, out. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, I mean, that still like 15 years about the time this album had come out, right? Right. And she was a songwriter, but hadn't done a whole lot, but she did help him write this song. This song is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it is the, what, it's the last single that came off of the album. It was released September of 1984, and it was top 10 hit, gotten to number eight in December of that year, got hit eight on the R&B chart, also on the adult contemporary chart, spent four weeks at number one. Incredible, beautiful song. So another top 10 hit. Number eight on the R&B, number eight on the Hot 100, and number one adult contemporary as we said, a panty dropper for women in 1983. 100%. Okay. It was used in the movie The Sure Thing. Have you seen that movie? No, I have not. John Cusack, Rob Reiner's like first movie. Uh-huh. Daphne Zuniga. I need to check it out. It's so good, man. We've got to cover that. We've talked way. about comparing that one to something else and maybe say anything, I think, maybe is what we talked about. But Be fun. That'd be great. Now there's one more thing I'd like to say. got a story for you on this one okay okay bob giraldi is the guy who does the video yes okay and he was a very well-known video director at the time yeah i think okay? he did three of the videos on this album he goes on he directs uh, love is a battlefield by pat benatar yep he also directs the music video say 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 by paul mccartney and michael jackson which we've talked about before because michael jackson wins that arm wrestling contest with a big muscle guy <laughs> right all right Right, yeah. But for you 80s lovers out there, he directed the John Cryer movie Hiding Out in 1987. Okay, so the video for this song is interesting. It is so incredibly 80s. Uh, you've got some girls wishing somebody goodbye. Yeah, she's. Uh, it looks like a futuristic uh, brothel of some sort. Uh -huh. And she's telling the general, see you later, general. Yeah. He's wearing a Navy uniform. <laughs> Now, the girls all have bright neon hair, just like you did back in the 80s, yeah. I guess, with the strange cuts. They look very 2023. Yeah. 
Lionel, <laughs> Lionel Richie, however, is wearing a shoulder-padded, gemstone-emblazoned jacket. Yes. And then later is getting his shirt taken off by one of these women. It's uh, it's a testament to the gold of the <laughs> 80s. That's what this is. At the very beginning of the video, there's like a love letter that the girls read. And it's like, tell the one that is so special that I still love him. And they all turn and look at Lionel Richie. And then he begins to sing. All my dearest friends. The time has been too long since I've been able to write to you. <laughs> my life now seems like it has always been this way, and I am so very happy at last. Please, tell the one who is so special that my sweet love never went away. The music videos of the day are so fun to go back and look at. It's- I just I want this to be the episode that we get the most Jason Colvin accents <laughs> that we can have. <laughs> Can we can we do that? I think so. We got French, we got Caribbean. I can't wait for what's next. Tell the one that is so special. I love him. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. So let's move on to song number. Song number four. This song is called "Stuck on You." Stuck on you. I've got this feeling down deep in my soul that I just can't lose. Guess I'm on. I feel like two-stepping. I know, right? This is like a country song. Oh my gosh. I looked. There's no video for this song. When I started listening to the album again, I'm listening to this. I'm like, oh, I love this song. I'm like, man, I didn't realize how country. And this could be on the country charts. It made it to the country charts. It reached number 24 on the Hot 100 Country Songs. So if you look, there's no official music video to this song, but that's okay because you have Lionel Richie's picture on the cover of the single (laughs) wearing a cowboy hat and a big old belt buckle, baby. He looks great, man. It's Lionel the Cowboy Richie. That's all the gold you need, man. This song is probably my number two on the album. I love this. I love this song. It is straight down the line on Lady and the other Kenny Rogers songs that they've worked together on. Yeah. Uh, it is. It's beautiful. I didn't realize how close in genre and in style Lionel Richie is to Kenny Rogers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, country at that time was becoming much more pop and much more soulful. And yeah. And here we go with Lionel Richie. I mean, he's raised in Alabama, baby. I know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how it is, right? There you go. Yeah. I noticed that in the lyrics, there are country phrases or terms that I would consider country. Yeah. Like darling. He calls her darling, you know? And then he uses the term, mighty glad you stayed. Mighty glad you stayed. Yeah. Taking the midnight train. Man, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yep. This song was released May 1st, 1984, reached number three in August of 84. Great song. Great Another song. top ten hit. Yeah. If you listen to the lyrics in this song, mm-hmm. it's basically about moving a friend who's a girl into the girlfriend lane, right? It's right. It's upgrading, right? right? Getting her out of the friend zone. Getting her out of the friend zone. Yeah. And it reminds me, lyrically, it's sort of similar to the Survivor song called The Search Is Over. All right, yeah. So, that was right before my eyes. Yeah, I got that. Yeah. yeah. Another great one, though. Got a feeling down deep in my soul that I just can't lose. And when he says the, uh, guess I'm on my way, yeah, oh, that's just solid gold right there, man. I it's love it. It's a great song. I love it. Yep. All right, D. So that concludes side one of Can't Slow Down. Hit stop on your tape player. Kick it out. Flip it over for side two. We begin side two with the song, Love Will Find a Way. Okay, so the instrumentation on this reminds you at all of the song Thriller. Wow, I was going to say Baby Be Mine, but tell me more. It could very well be Baby Be Mine as well. Okay, so the co-writer on this song is a guy named Greg Fillin Gaines. Okay. He's from Detroit. He started playing. I'm this is this is I'm not kidding. Started playing piano by ear and was playing at a piano bar at age two. What? His mom bought him a piano. He ultimately later on gets discovered by Stevie Wonder. And then in 1978 begins a three-decade-long involvement with Mr. King of Pop himself, Michael Jackson. He is the guy who laid down many of the tracks on the Thriller album, including the track that goes underneath the Vincent Price 
Oh, that's great, man. Yeah, so Good he call. is the co-writer of this song. Okay, well, and that makes sense, right? This song to me is that sort of light, funky synth, very, very 80s, right? Yep, right. In fact, I would even say early 80s. I could see Crockett working his way to the pretty girl on the dance floor after talking to the Colombian drug dealer to this song. Now, he did some solo work. Yeah. And apparently, one of his minor hits was a cover of the Yellow Magic Orchestra's song Behind the Mask. How's that for tying in with a, an old Mariah oh Carey gosh, reference? Look at that. <laughs> yes. Guys, uh, Mariah Carey, we've covered on our Patreon episodes. If you want to hear those super special episodes, I promise they are all better than Mariah Carey. Um, <laughs> you can go over to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com backslash Shirley Podcast. That's S-U-R-E-L-Y. What a great tie-in. Yeah. There you go. You can wow. hear all the stories about the Yellow Magic Orchestra and Mariah Carey stealing their music. <laughs> so, that's all I've really got on this song, because it's not one of my favorites. No, this one's one of the weaker songs on the album. It is kind of a panty dropper. Yeah, I mean, it's it, this is a style of music that is very popular with a certain group of folks. Love this type of music. I'm just not that guy. This is not my style. But that doesn't make this a bad song. It's just not me. Right. Moving on to the next song. That song is called The Only One. Okay, this song was co-written with Lionel Richie by a guy named David Foster. He has won 16 Grammy Awards, has been nominated 47 times, and he also was an executive who chaired the Verve Records from 2012 to 2016. I mean, this guy is huge and kind of under the radar. Where I know him from is I know he wrote the love song for the movie St. Elmo's Fire. A little bit of 1985 gold right there, ladies and heck gentlemen, yeah, right there. Heck yeah. So, again, though, another one that's just kind of an okay song. Here's the thing with this song. This is just an okay song. Yeah. But you add Lionel Richie's vocals to this. Yeah. They're so smooth and effortless. They're easy like Sunday morning, if you will. <laughs> Perfect. But his vocals elevate the song. For sure. It's not a skipper. No. It's not a skipper. This one you listen through, and then, you know, you're excited for Running With The Night, right? Absolutely. Let's get to the real good one here. All right. Second to the last song on the album, number seven on the album, Running With The Night. Dude, just, I mean, just set it up. Just, I'm, I'm just in heaven right now because this is crashing 80s synthesizers, a very cool bass line, the muted picking of the strings of a guitar. I mean, I'm in. I'm in all over the place on this one. Hey, this is Lionel Richie's answer to Michael Jackson's Beat It. It's Motown meets pop rock. Yeah. It's Lionel Richie plus Toto equals hit. Okay, so we've talked about this story before. We have. But we got to tell it again, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so Steve Lukather, the lead guitarist for Toto, one of the most underrated guitarists of all times. He is phenomenal, right? right? Phenomenal guitarist. And he was a session musician. Yes. And so they said, hey, this needs to have a very rock feel to it. Let's get Steve to come in and lay down a solo on this. So they had done the whole song. They wanted the solo not to be in the middle, but at the end of the song. Right. And so Steve comes in and he's an experienced guy so he's like hey just let me listen to it and and, and see what I can do and so they're like all right and they play the backing track for him that they've already covered right right and so Steve Lukather does what you do as a guitarist and you're trying to find the solo is he starts noodling and he's picking it out and he's finding little licks that he likes and he's like okay grooving and I'm like oh I like that like that all right gets done with it and he's like okay guys I'm ready to do the take and the producer says, that was the take. Yeah, yeah. So the, the solo that you hear at the end of this song, it was the first 
attempt at the solo. Like he's playing around, he's fiddling around, <laughs> and he creates one of the most memorable solos of all time. He doesn't even know he's being recorded. He's just <laughs> screwing around with the guitar, yeah. looking for the solo. Okay, I think I can come up with something. No, that's perfect. Thank yeah. you very much. Thanks. You pull, See you later. Get your check from the receptionist <laughs> on the way out. That's <laughs> you right. earned your money today, Steve. Incredible, right? So now this video is directed by Bob Gerialdi, who we talked about before. Yes. This one is a wedding reception is where we start off. And you've got a young, pretty bridesmaid who is sitting alone, very sad. And then you it cuts to Lionel Richie, and he's hanging out with his goofy buddies, and they're all being goofy. And then they're hooking up with girls, and Lionel Richie's not hooking up with girls. And then they end up crashing the wedding that this lonely bridesmaid has been sitting at and then oh love is in the air and lionel richie hooks up with this young pretty bridesmaid do you know who is playing the young pretty bridesmaid i didn't until you told me and blew my socks off i'm putting my socks back on right at the moment (laughs) tell me who the bridesmaid is the bridesmaid is sheila e <laughs> That's freaking Sheila E, the solo artist and drummer for Prince. Yes. Dude, I, I and what is crazy is there's another connection with her and Mr. Richie. Okay. And we we were texting as we do, you know, when we find out these little bits of gold that we have, we have to text each other. So, uh, on Monday at 8:33, I texted you and I said, "Nicole Richie, is the biological niece of Sheila E. And your response was, shut up. (laughs) So Nicole Richie, who everybody knows at this point, was adopted, was the adopted daughter of Lionel Richie. And she was the biological daughter of one of his musicians, right? Right. But starts staying with the Richies when she is very young. But her given name is Nicole Camille Escovito. And if you don't know, Sheila E is short for Sheila Escovito. How about that? That's incredible. What a great nugget that is. Auntie Sheila. It's a love bazaar. <laughs> it's a love bazaar. Uh, I love it. This song reached number seven in 1984. Again, another top 10 hit. The video, yeah. when I watched it, it looks like early Smooth Criminal. Like they're all wearing fedoras and like, you know, yeah. the chrome suits and all that stuff. It's fun. Awesome. Another Bob Girardi video, which you've already said. Yeah. You know who plays drums on this song? Not Sheila E. Oh, okay. No, tell me. Jeff Picaro. Of course. There you go. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. This song opened the AMAs. When we talked about the greatest 24 hours in 80s music history. Yeah. This was the song that Lionel Richie kicked off the AMAs with, Running With The Night, and then he bookends the night with the recording of We Are The World. Sweet. Which I've got a funny story for you. Okay. You know, Prince was supposed to sing on We Are the World. Yes. We talked about this in our Huey Lewis episode, that Huey Lewis got the part in that song because Prince did not show up. Prince was a no-show. Yeah. So here's the funny story, right? Go ahead. Yeah. So Lionel is orchestrating this whole deal. He co-wrote the song with Michael. We really need to do a deep dive on We Are the World. But it's time, and you know, where's Prince, right? Well, they get him on the phone, and Lionel gets him on the phone. Is like, hey, Prince, hey, we're, we're recording. Where are you? Get down here. And Prince is like, well, you know, I don't really like to record in a group. I like to record in a booth by myself. Can I have that? And Lionel's like, no. I mean, we're this is a we're doing the vid video. We're doing it all together. You can't have that. He's like, well, I don't really do that. You know, I don't really want to do that. And so anyway, he's trying to convince Prince to come down, and he says the wrong thing. He says, Prince, just come on down. We'll put you right next to Michael. And that was the death sentence. Like, Prince was like, dead silent. You could tell I said the wrong thing. Uh, And that was absolutely not going to happen. Yeah. So are we ready to move on to the final song on the album? Let's move on to the final song on the album. What is the best name for the last song on the album? (laughs) Goodbye? Uh, No, it's Hello, turns out. Hello. Is it me you're looking for? I can see it in your eyes I can see it in your smile You're all I've ever wanted 
Okay, so this is the Hello Before Adele. Yes. This is the original Hello. This is Lionel Richie's Hello, and it's one of my favorites. This is a video that I can remember from a kid, a kid watching this thing because you had Lionel who was fallen in love. Of course, of course, another one by Bob Gerialdi, one of the three that he did for the show. Lionel Richie is falling in love with this girl in the acting class, but she's blind and he thinks it's unrequited <laughs> until at the very end he shows up and she's sculpted his face in what looks like bubblegum. <laughs> it is we, the most frightening sculpture I've seen. So it like, okay. scarred me a bit. This is the weirdest video of all time, but it won at the AMA Awards, <laughs> right? It won two awards for being right. the best video. Yeah. And it is so dumb. It, it is, is painfully dumb. So here's the thing. So when he's at, you know, getting Bob Giraldi to do these videos was a big get, right? Yeah, right. And when he shows up at the set, the very first thing Lionel Richie does is he looks at the bust and he's like, that didn't look anything like me. Uh-huh. And Bob's like, yeah, okay, you know, whatever, okay. So then they set up some more and, you know, an hour later, Lionel Richie's like, hey, um, I don't know if you've seen the bust, but it doesn't look anything like me. Uh-huh. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. And so now it's time to shoot that scene and Lionel's finally like, hey, hey Bob, hold everything. That bust doesn't look anything like me. Yeah. And Bob's like, well, here's the deal, Lionel. She's blind, okay? <laughs> so we're going with it. That's terrible. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> we can't... Oh, my gosh. So the inception of this song is interesting. This is one of the ones that, well, just happy little story on, happy little accident on how this happens. Right. The producer that we talked about before, Mr. Carmichael, yes. James Anthony Carmichael, is looking for Lionel Richie. <laughs> He's walking around the studio looking for Lionel Richie. Yeah. Lionel Richie's sitting at the piano. Lionel. Keeps passing by him. Lionel. (laughs) Hey, Lionel, where are you? And Lionel, as an answer to that question, plays just a couple little notes on the piano keyboard and says, Hello, is it me you're looking for? Uh Uh-huh. At that moment, James Anthony Carmichael could have looked at him and said, Yes, where have you been? I've been looking for you the whole time. Instead, he looks at him and said, Finish that song. And Lionel Richie's like, What song? Uh Uh-huh. That song that you just played for me, he's like, it's not a song, it's just words. Right. And he's like, finish that song. Hello. Is it me you're looking for? Well, I wonder where you are. And I wonder what you... I love it. I love these stories. There's, It seems to be a song like this on every album. And of course, how perfect to put Hello at the very end of the album. Yeah, this song reached number one in 1984. Of course. It was the third single released on the album and is a tentpole song for Lionel Richie. Yeah, definitely. So interestingly, this was a holdover from his first solo album. This was actually demoed all the way back in 1982. Uh-huh. He had to be convinced. He thought people would kind of laugh him out of the room when he played this song. It's a little cheesy. Yeah. It turns out this is the biggest Motown song of all time. Wow. Like, when you think about Motown, and you think about Smokey Robinson and stuff like that, yeah. this is the biggest song of all time for that's, Motown. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. Okay, guys, that is the end of this album, but we are not done yet. We promised you a story before we got started, and, and there's there the story is coming, I promise you. Okay, let's have it. So, so this album was released. It obviously did fantastically well. Won all kinds of awards. Best-selling album of 1985. And so what does he do? 1986, he releases solo album number three, Dancing on the Ceiling. Now, you probably have seen the video to Dancing on the Ceiling. And if you have seen the video to Dancing on the Ceiling, then you have seen Lionel Richie's second wife. There's a story that goes along with it, and I'll let Jason tell us that story. (laughs) Okay, so one of the dancers in the Dancing on the Ceiling video, his name is Diane Alexander. Same girl who was dancing at the 1984 Olympics. That's right. And when you look at her, oh man, she's majors. His wife, Brenda, and him were going through rough times. So they were separated for a while, supposedly. This is what he says. He said, we were on a break. (laughs) And so they lived together and they were still married, but he would sneak out in the middle of the night and go see his mistress, Diane Alexander. Yeah. One of the people who lived next door to Lionel Richie said, (laughs) said, I would see him leave every night, two o'clock in the morning. Sneaking out the back door. On June 29th of 1988, Brenda Ritchie decides she's had enough and she follows him to her apartment and confronts them at her apartment in the middle of the night. 
Okay? Uh-huh. And so what happens is she remains very calm and she's very cool and nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. She loses her ever love in mind. Yeah. She breaks crap. She screams her head off. She's busting up furniture. She starts to beat up Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie's like, baby, baby, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> I was returning the library book to her. Oh, my gosh. So the funny thing is, is that she goes ape crap and starts wailing on both of them. Yeah. Like, kicks him in the balls. In, he said it was in the stomach region. <laughs> <laughs> kicked him in the balls. She kicked him in the two brick houses. Is right. What happened. And then she continues to pummel Diane Alexander, who's like, got her on the ground and is wailing on her. Oh. So Lionel Richie takes off. He leaves. Oh. He flees the scene. Oh, no. So he goes to a payphone, calls yeah. the cops. Of course, the neighbors call the cops because you yeah. can't live in an apartment complex and scream your head off and break furniture and go ballistic. Yeah. So they come to arrest Brenda Ritchie. Yeah. Get this. When the police show up, she doesn't go peacefully. She goes <laughs> ape crap on them. Uh-huh. They have to cuff her and hold her down. Like, things like five of them to hold her down. They literally had to stuff her. <laughs> so they arrest her for corporal injury of a spouse, resisting arrest, trespassing, vandalism, battery, disturbing the peace. And while they've got her down on the ground, they're trying to cuff her hands, trying to cuff her ankles. Stop <laughs> resisting! <laughs> this is a lot easier if you just lay back. <laughs> They are trying to take care of her, and the whole time she's screaming at Diane, help me. (laughs) Right? The girl she was just whooping, help me, Diane. Don't let them do this to me. Help me, help me. What? (laughs) Come on. Oh, my gosh. And guess what? Nobody pressed charges. Ah, yeah. Well, yeah. And by the way, they tried to patch it up. They were married for another three or four years after this. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately get divorced. He goes and marries Diane, and they're together for quite a while as well. Yep. And then she dumps him because he won't. He cuts her off. He won't allow her to spend three hundred thousand dollars a month. That was what she was wanting. <laughs> She's hanging out with Tawny Katane. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, that does it for Lionel Richie. Can't slow down. Be sure and hit that follow button so that you will catch us next episode, where we are going to talk about Mister Piano Man himself, Billy Joel, and his nineteen eighty three album, Innocent Man. Listen, boy, I don't want to see you let a good thing slip away. Wow. What a fantastic album. That that matchup is going to be huge. And I hopefully we're going to have John Reed with us on that one. And we'll talk about it track by track and figure out which one we'd like best. Come back next week. And guys, if you haven't checked out our YouTube page, we've got some cool videos on there. Jason just went to the locations for The Outsiders and Rumblefish and caught some cool video there. So definitely go check that out as well. We will see you guys next week. But this is a song where, like, Crockett goes to a tub. Crockett goes to a club, and he wants Wait a minute. I like it better when he goes to a tub. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't go to tubs, and he doesn't go to a club. He goes to a tub. (laughs) 